Hello and welcome to another author interview with Shoot the Defence. Today's guest has been a regular on the show. He's been generous with his time in allowing me and Shoot the Defence to interview him and talk about his many books over a number of years. My guest today has been rightly described as the preeminent writer on Manchester United. And to be honest, I've actually lost count of the number of books he has written. He is a prolific writer of not only books, but also articles, both long and short, as well as hosting podcasts with football luminaries such as Paddy Barkley and Paul Parker. Wayne Barton's latest book is the autobiography of Fabio and Rafael da Silva, and is titled The Sunshine Kids. The Sunshine Kids is no ordinary biography. The twins have seen it all in football, from the favelas of Brazil to the height of European football with Manchester United. Theirs is an incredible story and journey, and with Wayne Barton, the bear, the pair tell all. Wayne, welcome to the show again. How are you, my friend? I'm not bad. Thank you for having me. And um, can I just give a, a massive congratulations to yourself as well for your recent um, great achievements? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I assume you're talking about the Club of the Year award. Club, <laughs> <Yeah. club. laughs> well, congratulations as well for just being a great guy in general, but, but especially for that, yeah. Brilliant. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was, a, that was an amazing, amazing surprise. Um, surprise and um, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Wait, before we dis uh, start discussing the book, I, I also want to say thanks to you um, because um, the other day um, you wrote an article on Roy Keane and shared it with, um, with everyone via Twitter account, cracking read. Uh, how long did it take you to write that? Um, just the morning. I just decided, you know what, because um, I didn't realise he was 50. Um, you know, and then I saw a few tweets yesterday morning saying, "Oh, yeah, Roy Keane's fifty. Here are fifty famous quotes that he said." So, wow, only fifty. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I just thought, oh, I'll just write something, and then uh, very quickly it turned into three thousand words. Actually, I should have been writing, um, working on my uh, one of the books that I'm working on at the moment yesterday, but that just took over. You know, like so. Because I've not really written anything about Roy Keane. Um, maybe like one, one or two little things but it was the first opportunity that I had to sort of really write something about him um, in a long time at least and yeah so I just sort of got carried away with it and I, th I thought yeah it's probably about time that people realised how good he was as a footballer instead of just being a shouty sort of um, anecdotalist do you know what I mean um, and that's what even when people look, look back at him and they say oh Roy Keane um, wasn't he a great player wasn't he a big personality and then they say, oh, well, yeah, he was perhaps limited in his footballing ability. And I thought, no, 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 do you know what? We'll, we'll just sort of tip the balance a little bit in Roy Keane's favour. We'll talk about how good he was as a player. Um, he was all that other, he was that other stuff as well. You know, he was, he was a great inspiration and personality, but um, he was a great footballer uh, first and foremost. Yeah, and I think you put them right to that. So, but, you know, as I said, brilliant, great piece. Oh, thank you. Um, Wayne, um, I know the answer to this question, but talk us through how the idea for the book came about. Okay, so yeah, um, yeah, you obviously know it was, it was a strange one, really. I think it was like New Year's Day, or uh, my memory says New Year's Day because I, I'm one of those people who, um, one of those annoying people who will sort of look back at the previous year and then look ahead to the next year and think, oh, what am I going to do? Got to do something different, that kind of thing, got to keep it fresh. And I haven't, you know, it had been a long time since, I say a long time, for me a long time, maybe two or three years since I'd, I'd worked on an autobiography. I wasn't really thinking about it, to be honest. Um, apart from like maybe one or two that I've always thought, well, if that person comes along, I want to do something with them. Um, so 
that kind of thing really and I'd sort of yeah I wasn't thinking about it someone tweeted um, a video of Rafa or a picture of Rafa um, and it said oh I don't know something congratulating him something probably something to do with his t- a, like a wild tackle or something like that or or even a goal that he's, one of the goals that he scored you know against Liverpool or, or um, QPR or something so I just retweeted it and and just said like you know I love you know these guys um, both him and Fabio and um, some the it was either the person who posted the original tweet or someone else just tweeted me and and tagged Rafa in it and said. Um, you should work with them on your next book. Um, and I just like laughed and said, yeah, obviously I'd love to do that. You know, like thinking, yeah, obviously I would, but I just thought uh, there was no chance it was going to happen. Anyway, Rafa followed me straight away on Twitter. I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Um, and he said, yeah, let's do it. But then I think he got a little, I'm not going to say cold feet, but he, I think he just sort of thought, oh, I'll talk to my wife about it. And he, and I don't think that he was completely convinced. I think he was thinking no one wants to read a book about me. But his wife sort of said, no, you should, you should talk to Wayne about it more seriously. Um, and, you know, really consider doing it. And really went quiet for a couple of months. I mean, we were talking about it. Um, and he was engaging with the idea of it. But then he sort of just sort of changed track and just said well I'll do it if we do it with Fabio and I was like well yeah of course like I'm not I didn't put a limitation on it you know obviously more the better you know we're we're both both twins for the price of one absolutely Um, and so he said yeah um, you know it took me a little while to sort of work out the um, the way I was going to do it because obviously it would be very different to anything that I've worked on before but at the same time because it was different I was like I was really excited about it um, it was right at the start of the pandemic mm-hmm. when um, when things were so up in the air and I had a lot of time on my hands obviously I, I was doing a lot of stuff as well but I was, I was trying to keep busy but also trying to make myself busy at the same time and this was one of those things that just sort of came up um, Rafa I, I think Fabio at the time I'm not, again, I'm not going to say reluctant, but I think he just suffered a, a career-threatening injury, basically, and um, he, he was obviously coming through that rehab himself and sort of trying to get more in a positive space. And it was when those two got together that we, um, when they actually physically got together, you know, when they were able to spend some time together in France, that he said, "Come on, let's do it," and we basically just started. And uh, yeah, so that's how that was the genesis of the idea, basically. And you know, I've said to you before, like, if any, well, well, most United players, if they came to me and said we want to do a book, I'm a United fan. If I can do it, if I've got the time to do it, I'd love to to be able to do it. And um, yeah, so that opportunity came up, and um, they were two of my favourite players from that team. And I was going to say yes. Um, I'm I'm so grateful to that to that guy for sort of nudging me towards it because you know um, I wish I remember the guy's name um, I should really should I'm sure it'll be on my timeline somewhere but, um, but yeah really thankful to that because that's um, you know opportunities come out of nowhere sometimes you're going to be getting loads of people um, adding you to their tweets with um, United players now aren't you I don't I don't mind honestly you know it's great and um, 
Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I, I hope that they do. I hope that they do because yeah. it's good for me, obviously. Obviously, it's good for me for, for yeah, people one, to do one that. I did, uh, one um, that we talked about, and um, I, um, I added you um, for Gary Bailey, and that, nothing ever came for that. I'd love a story on Gary Bailey. Oh, yeah, but I, I did. I was lucky enough to interview mm. Gary. Do you know what's funny? You know, my, my friend Dan. Yeah. You know, he always talks about a book on Gary Bailey. Mm. I, I was fortunate enough to talk to him. Um, he rescued an animal yeah. um, while we were on. I, t- I told you about this. Uh, he rescued. I can't remember the animal, but he rescued it when when we were on the middle of the call. Um, we we're interviewing him for case for us. For but yeah, Gary's really intelligent, really um, insightful, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great book. It's one of those where I always say, that, you know, even if I don't do it, it's one of those that I'd love to read. And um, that's the the case with Gary for sure. <laughs> uh, you sort of um, um, answered um, the, ne- the next question, partly answered the question, you know, obviously the process of writing a book during a pandemic. Um, how different, difficult, easy, I don't know, um, is it to write an autobiography of two people at the same time? And how much input did Raphael and Fabio have in the final editing? Um, good question. So I think... It wasn't really difficult um, once I figured out how I was going to do it. I, I decided what I was going to do is use three voices. Um, they're individual voices, but also because we were doing a lot of the work together, you know, and by together I mean we'd be having three-way um, audio or video chats, mostly video. Um, and the pandemic obviously presented difficulties. I mean, I was supposed to be going to France three or four times, and that's when they were both there. But then the pandemic kept sort of cancelling those plans. Put back, and then Rafa moved to Turkey, which changed everything again. Um, I was never in a position where I was able to go to France because of that. The the sort of copy get kept getting pulled from under us. There was one game at the back end of the the season before the pandemic cancelled football where Leon were meant to be taking on Nantes and I'd put a big circle around that uh, because I was meant to be going down you know to spend the weekend and, and and sort of spend a lot of time with them to get a lot of the work done on the book it never happened because of the pandemic um, but they were really really dedicated to this by the way um, they they spent they took time out I mean Fabio was in the middle of rehab then they were in the middle of the pre-season they had that limbo going on where obviously Rafa was moving clubs. Um, we had, I remember, he couldn't tell me where he was going, but we had one conversation about you know working on the book where he was in his hotel room waiting for the the plane. <laughs> Do you know um, that's how dedicated they were to sort of doing it? Um, you know, and obviously um, Fabio talking about his rehab in the middle of his rehab so it's really good sort of present experience for him to get that down um and it's just things like that basically they were very dedicated to it um they spent a lot of time on it um you know one or two hours a week generally they'd be they'd be really good for, for us to have the conversation do you know what i mean so they were they were really dedicated they put themselves into it in terms of the edits um, obviously, um, I was because of the quick turnaround. We knew it'd be writing a book in a pandemic, and because it's the twins, and because it was a book about um, a period. I know Ferdinand brought a book out, but not a lot of players from that period of United, the last Fergie days and the first days of Moyes and Van Gaal and everything. Not a lot of those accounts are on record, so we knew that once it was ready, a publisher will want to get it out as soon as possible, mm-hmm. um, which was the case, and which was obviously really great with with pitch pictures as usual because um, I've got a great working relationship with them um, 
we knew that there'd be a quick turnaround with that. So I, as I was working on it, I was sending them what I was working on. You know, we'd be talking in the day and then I'd find the time to write and then I'd be sending it to them. And it'd all be a case of like, you know, are you happy with the voice I've got for you individually? Because you have to find different voices for each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, with Rafa, you've got to try and capture that um, loud personality. And with Fabio, you've got to be a little bit more introspective. Um, and then at the same time, when you're putting them both together, you've got to capture both both of that in the same kind of voice. And um, obviously it's not without its challenges. I don't know how effective it was. You can tell me, I'm sure. Other readers will tell me if it wasn't. Um, but I you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. The twins were always very supportive of that, saying, oh, no, that sounds like us. That's really good, Rappy, with that. Um, obviously, with it being modern footballers and modern, um, a lot more recent events, you've got to be careful about the things that you do and don't include because of the way that um, they'll get perceived or portrayed in the press. Um so it, I was always being very careful with that, you know, sending them um, the updated version of a manuscript saying, this is how I've explained this, are you happy with it? Um, and they'd be like, yeah, we're really happy with the way that you've you've done that. And then, obviously, if there was something that we weren't um, completely sure on, we'd re- revisit it the next time that we talked. And, um, yeah, it, you know, it was done exclusively over video conversations and, and me writing, and it was a different experience, but it was a good experience because it was a productive use of our time in a difficult moment in everybody's lives, you know, and we made the most of that situation. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I loved doing it. I loved the, as a writer, I loved the experience of of trying something different where you're writing in three different voices and um yeah it's like now it's the book's been out for a couple of days still waiting to sort of hear what people think of it what people make of it um so we'll see do you know I'd, but i could say i had a lot of fun it was re- a good challenge as a writer it was a challenge but um one that i love doing because the experience of working on it by the way was so good working with them was as you would expect it to be. Sometimes there were a few tears because it was quite emotional. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, 70% of the time, we were laughing, writing about it. Um, it's the most fun that I've had writing, working on anything. And, you know, I'm just grateful that they gave me that chance, basically, because it filled a lot of my time in the pandemic, you know, and I, I really enjoyed it. That does come through, I will say. Um, and it's clear from the beginning of the book that the twins are very family-centred, there is a deep love and affection for their parents. Was that obvious to you when you were talking to them? And was it a conscious effort to express it in the way that you did in print? Yeah, because it was uh, their driving factor from day one. Um, Everything's always been... I mean, every conversation would basically come back to it, you know, why they were doing it, the motivation for doing it. And we'd talk about... I'd say something about, oh, was it good going for the 20, 20th title at United and they'd be like yeah but um, remember the this it came from nothing basically these were these, these were all cherries on top of the icing you know because they'd already got what they wanted from football when they became professional in which basically it's not a spoiler to say they wanted to give back to the parents mm. that was their ambition in football and in life to do that so everything else. I think that's why they were so joyful because they were so appreciative of that and present with that opportunity that they knew that they could make the most of it and everything else was a bonus on top of it and um, they were were certainly keen to make sure that 
that message was expressed through the book. I think as well because they because their parents now have young children, and they're such normal lads that I think they want their kids to grow up knowing that what they've got is very privileged and they want them to understand that um, they didn't grow up like that and and that it is a privilege and that um, life doesn't always treat you as kindly as that and because they're so appreciative of it that it was very much a strong message that they want to put through as well as just the simple facts of wanting to show gratitude do you know what I mean because Mm. you obviously you want to say thank you to, to your parents but I think the ways, in, you know, like the, the values in which they, you know, the way that they, they grew as people um, and the way that, you know, like they, they speak about in the book, you know, a couple of times it's mentioned about how they'd always prepared for being apart, but they were looking to spend the time that they did together and how that was drummed into them from parent, the parents from an early age. Um, all of the sort of threads of their life basically are tied to their family um, before they tied to football. And it's interesting to write a football book from that aspect, uh, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it was very much a conscious thing, Malik, yeah. Excellent. Um, there is an obvious affection for Sir Alex Ferguson, for both Raphael and Fabio. I mean, there are some touching stories and thoughts on their former manager. Um, and there are lots of examples of Ferguson's man management skills too. Um, you know, plenty of nuggets in the book. Without wanting to, without spoiling it for the reader, it, you know, can you tell us what your favourite is? The favourite human story that I've got, because obviously there are some funny football ones, you know, of him getting confused and everything. My favourite football one is um, of um, a game when we played Everton in two thousand and eleven, and Chicharito scored late on one uh, nil, um, and it was a definitive victory on the way to winning the title. Fabio was playing at right back. He was playing all the games at that point because he'd finally sort of broke through this hoodoo of injury problems and confidence problem, and he was sort of playing. And he was playing really well as well. Don't forget that he was playing fantastically, and he was in the team deservedly so. But um, he was dead anxious, very very anxious. He was carrying that with him, um, and. I'd, don't want to go into too many of the details why because obviously that's that is such a complicated and layered story that it's, it's in the book for a reason it's it's a full book it's worth of um story but he was feeling anxious um and he'd not really eaten in the day because it was an early kickoff so he was carrying that with him as well um and at half time he was he was throwing up in the toilets and um Fergie had, um, he knew that Fergie had sort of followed him into the toilets and he knew that Fergie had heard him throw up and he was worried that he was going to get brought off. He'd been brought off earlier in the season against Arsenal, the famous game where both the Twins played and Fabio scored. Fabio was brought off at half-time, effectively with cramp, but definitely because he was so anxious, do you know what I mean? He was feeling it and he'd been brought off and... He was. That was the kind of personality that he was at the time. You know, so wound up about wanting to repay Fergie for giving him this chance to to play for Manchester United, and this is three years in. Do you know? So you can imagine how how heavy that weight was. So yeah, he was he was so anxious and and so so beside himself and um, overpowered by the weight of what he was going through. That he was you know he was literally physically sick at half time, and he was thinking, please don't have heard me be sick because you're going to bring me off. I don't want to come off. Mm. And um, he knew that Fergie had heard him. 
and Fergie never said anything and he, he left him on and let him see out the game you know um, I just thought that was such a they'd had a, a few conversations where Fabio sort of said I want to stop playing football now you know he'd been forthright enough to sort of say I want to play and Fergie had given him that chance and he was treating him not differently but he, he knew that he was different to Rafa so he was treating him differently and giving him that opportunity to, um, to sort of prove himself and he played the rest of the game I think he played most of the, the the rest of the game anyway. I don't think he came off in that one. And, um, you know, basically repaid Fergie's faith by playing well and, and playing out of the game and obviously seeing through the rest of the season as, as first-choice right-back as well. Um, so I, I love that story because it was Fergie knowing what made Fabio tick instead of... You know what I mean? Because he could have easily thought this player doesn't have what it takes to cut it he could have. We had a plethora of right backs at that time. A lot of them who, who played in different Champions League campaigns. And he said, "No, Fabio's playing well. I want to give him that chance." He understood what he needed, and he stood by him. And I just love that story because it's such a humanising one for Fergie, and again for for these footballers at that time. And that was like a a pressure cooker at United those years of like trying to become the most successful team in England. I don't think people realise. They look at it, oh, his last, Fergie's last great team and they went over the hill, but it was a massive pressure cooker. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a lot of respect for Fabio talking openly about that because a lot of players wouldn't, and he was just, yeah, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. Excellent. And one of my favourite stories from that is um, when Fabio got a phone call from a certain player, and that was Fergie's doing, but um, I'll let people um, find out yeah. what, that, what that is. Um Wayne, the book comes across as very emotive. It, it feels very much from the heart. And while there's been always a perception that both Fabio and Rafa's persona is of being fun-loving, carefree individuals, there is a steely determination to both of them, isn't there? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Because, I mean, it's like I was saying earlier, you know, you scratch the surface. Obviously, the elements of the personality which you just described are there and they're present and they're very massive parts of their personality because they look on the positive aspects of everything that they've achieved because they understand the privilege, which they've earned, by the way. They've earned that. But they understand it and they carry it and they're aware of it. And, you know, it goes back to their parents and it's something that's present in the conversations. They'll always talk about it. There's a great humility between them and and which they express um, individually. But that's what you get on the front of any conversation you know you're always going to get the initial impression of someone so the longer that you spend talking to them the longer that you spend getting to know someone and these guys are very very honest by the way there's never a point where you think they're hiding something here everything is like an open book they'll just tell you exactly how they're feeling they'll they'll go straight into the detail of why and i think that's the it's almost off-putting in a way because you're you're laughing along with them and then you'll hear Fabio talking about his anxiety. Do you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, they do get playing for United, but they also carried the responsibility of playing for United. Well, Fabio certainly did. And then it hits you differently because you think, oh, yeah, they got what it took to play for the club. But look how it affected him. Do you know what I mean? And it's such a different way of... Um, well, it helps, obviously it helps me understand him better, but um, I just thought it's... It's got a charm. It's got a charm because they were 
so um, honest. And and you know what I think helped as well is the fact that English isn't their first language. So they only the only way that they know how to express themselves is to be upfront and honest. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, I've got to take some kind of um, I don't know what the right word is, but it's a responsibility that I've got them because I'm thinking, well, they're being so honest with this that I've got to make sure that I'm interpreting it in the right way. First of all, because it's not the the first language, you know, a lot, you know, quite often we were having conversations. What was the right word? For for them to use, you know, so I'd go through words with them, this is what this word means, but they'd be, yep, that's perfect, that's exactly what we want, sometimes they'd be telling me one word in, in Portuguese, which I wasn't familiar with and then we'd come up with the right way to express it in English, because obviously English is quite reductive uh, when you compare it to foreign languages and how, how beautiful um, and how multi-purpose some words are uh, in foreign languages, so there, there was those kind of challenges um and yeah, you have to sort of tap into that, be below the surface. But because because they are multi-layered, because they're quite deep guys, they're quite deep thinkers, they think a lot about the reasons for why things happen. That um, it doesn't take long to sort of scratch away from that that initial enthusiasm that you get and realise that yeah, they're serious guys um, and they're emotional guys. And because life isn't always one hundred percent positive. I think that people read this, if you're a United fan of that period, the connection that you'll have with them as guys, you'll feel personally connected to them after it. Um, well, I hope that they do anyway. I hope that people do. I certainly did, but I'm writing as a ghostwriter. I'm talking as a ghostwriter. So, you know, obviously I'm going to feel some kind of connection. But when I was writing it, I was thinking, do you know what? I reckon a lot of people of my disposition who were fans at that time are going to look at that and think, oh, yeah, God, I really love that they felt that way because it's like we felt do you know what I mean and um yeah yeah sorry if, if that doesn't it's difficult to know how to answer questions like that but um uh, because you're speaking on someone else's behalf aren't you but absolutely but I mean you know you've got the insight by talking to them um I mean you mentioned in your answer there um you use the word honest and I think it is a very honest book and there are plenty of revelations and insights and again I don't want to spoil it for the reader but you know, there's Fabio's opinions on Rooney, that's very interesting to read, and also how Fabio talks about the effort opposition players put in playing against United. Were you surprised by how much material you're given to work with? Um, no, I wasn't. Um, but the, the difficulty that I had is because, because I was going to write it in three voices, mm-hmm. the difficulty was making it concise enough that you were filling a book retaining the information not making it too long we see you are talking about you know obviously they they individually i could write books with either of them mm. and fill uh, a one hundred thousand word book this book is around ninety thousand words so you have to be concise you have to so it's basically can you pack in all of that information and make it as powerful and punchy as possible without feeling like it's too flippant. And um, yeah, that was a, a challenge, but one that I was, you know, happy to embrace as well. Um, yeah, funny one. Excellent. Um, both of them clearly enjoyed their time in United, and both had, you know, relative success or did have success. Did you ever ask them who they think had the better career at United? 
Yeah, I think they'd be honest with that and say Rafa. I don't think they they um See this is um a funny thing isn't it because people I'm sure you remember like uh, like I do that when they arrived at the club Fabio came with a bigger reputation. He did, yes. Um everyone was talking about what he did as a fullback and you know scoring loads of goals for the Brazilian under 17 sides. Mm-hmm. We were like oh my god. And then Rafa because obviously Fabio picked up his injury before um, the season kicked off Rafa got the chance and Rafa started playing really well and there was a lot of us saying my god if he's yeah. not the good one like in comparison if, if, if Fabio's the good one and, and Rafa's this good then we're in for a treat obviously Rafa like, sorry it's in the book about Fabio and is the sort of anxiety that he felt and the, the, the confidence issues that he'd get when he'd get um, an injury setback and things like that but they will both, even Rafa, you know, like it's difficult for them both to sort of um, talk about because the the fact is the fact that Rafa had the better career. There's no getting around that. He won more trophies, he had more games, there were more memorable moments in there for him. But what I wanted to do with the book is sort of exp- put it, explain that and put it into sort of context of, you know, that it wasn't to do with Fabio not being good and it wasn't to do with. Um, I don't know. It was to, it was to do to all. It was to do with all of these different factors, like the the injuries, like the confidence, like the opportunity, the fact that Rafa came in when there was a lot of change at right back, and he had an opportunity to stamp his place there. Whereas Fabio came in when Evra was playing sixty games a season, he wasn't ever going to miss a game. So it's very difficult for him to come into that um, scenario. Um, but they'll both be upfront about and say, "Oh, yeah, well, Rafa had the better career. Fabio is too, is almost too modest with it, and I think modest is the right word, wrong word. I think it's it's too self-deprecating about it. He'll think that he's forgotten. Do you know what I mean? That's the way that he talks about it. He talks about it as someone like, "Oh, oh, because I didn't have as good a career as as my brother at United." And like you know, there's a passage in the book where he talks about his wish that. He, He'd give up every penny that he's got to be able to start at United again tomorrow, mm. which I found so profound, but yet so sad because I look that I'm one of these guys who I do like to speculate. Don't get me wrong, you know the what if and yeah. everything like that. We've done it many times, but I also like to when when something's happened. I'm very much a, a person who likes to appreciate what's happened for what happened. And take the positives, or, or even the negatives. Take it for what it was, and look at it for what it was. And I, I found myself sometimes trying to convince Fabio that there's a massive, massive amount of um, not only love but respect for what he did from United fans. We still, we don't see him as inferior. We don't see what he did as inferior United. We understand. I mean. Yeah, all right. Maybe not everyone understands everything that he went through because that's what this book is for. It's, it's there to educate and inform people what he went through and sort of give them an insight as to why it was difficult. And I hope that's my biggest hope, really, is that when people read this, yeah, they'll be entertained by Rafa's stories. But there's a massive part of me that hopes that people take away how much playing for United. Uh, playing for United meant to Raf, uh, to Fabio, to both of them, but for Fabio to know that, yeah, we all realise um, there's no getting away from it that his potential wasn't fulfilled at United, but that was to do with circumstance and it wasn't to do with him, 
and we appreciate what he did nonetheless and we love him for it nonetheless and we love him just as much as Rafa and we appreciate what he did just as much as we did uh, we do with Rafa and he's still just as much loved as Rafa and if the opportunity came for either of them to come back at any point yes as players but uh, to be associated with the club they will be regarded as equals because they they're just they they're two of the same. It says the running theme through the book, isn't it? We're the same, but we're the same but different. And um, yeah, that's what. Yeah, sorry, I went on a bit of a thing there, but I feel really emotional about that. That's um, a I mean, at the end of the day, they both played for Manchester United. They both won trophies at Manchester United. You know, they, yeah. that's for us, for me and you. We know that that's a dream, and they lived it. Mm. So um, yes, yeah, great answer, great answer. Um, sort of linked to that and you sort of alluded to it already and did you ever get the feeling talking to to either of them that not necessarily there were any regrets but was there a sense of a, of a what might have been um maybe with fabio a little yeah. bit um but it was stronger with him wasn't it, it sort of felt that from the book yeah uh, don't get me wrong what rafa made mistakes he'll admit that he made mistakes he you know some of his tackles were were mad um but he always says that, like when I asked him the question, I asked him like recently, and he said, "No, I'll do it. I'd do it all again, exactly the same." If if I was going to talk to myself and say, um, basically say, "What would you do different?" He said, "Don't do anything different. Just enjoy what you're about to experience." And I love that, even even with the sort of madhead attitude. Yeah, well, especially because of that, not not despite it, because of it. That's why we, you know, like. We were all annoyed with Tevez for leaving. So we're glad that Rafa was a physical manifestation of that on the pitch. You know, I hated Mike Dean as a referee. I'm so glad that um, Rafa wound him up so many times, you know. Um, So the mistakes, the thing, you know, what happened against Bayern Munich? Was that a mistake? I always felt that he was conned by experienced players at that time. Um... Well, you know, and he was young, and it was a mistake, and he learned from it. But I didn't hold him responsible for his losing the game against no. Bayern. I, I certainly didn't, you know. And so, those kind of things, yeah, you know, he, he could go back and change them. But he he sort of realised that those, even if they, if you were going to describe them as flaws, that they were part of who made him who he was. Which is actually, if you think about it, very mature outlook on life for for him to have. Um, and with Fabio, yeah. Obviously, he has that sort of element about him that wishes that he could go back and um, revisit certain things. Cause he, he's very much a, a deep thinker. He's very, and I think, quite nostalgic as well um, that he goes in, in for that kind of thing. Um, but I, I do think as well, because of, he's been through a lot since, since he left United, he suffered a couple of injuries, one really significant one that... Um, could have affected his chances of walking properly again if you if you really look up the severity of that injury. So to come back as he did and has, and to be able to play full games of football at um, a high level, the, the highest level because he's playing at a top division in France, um, is a remarkable achievement of which he should be immensely proud, immensely proud because he's done... You know, at one point he was thinking, oh, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm never going to do anything apart from feel pain in my knee again. And he's come through that to, to be able to play full games of football 
it's something that's so inspiring. It was inspiring for his brother, who, like Rafa admitted, oh, you know, I was putting on a little bit of weight and I saw how serious Fabio was taking his training. He was fitter than me. So I had I had to improve to be better than him. He was inspiring. He was inspiring, like literally inspiring his brother to be better um, through the biggest crisis of his career. Um, and there, are, you know, there are other things. I think he's just got. Um, while he's probably very melancholic about certain things and the way that it happened for him at United, I think time will be, hopefully, maybe reflection on this book. You know, when people are reading it and saying, "No, Fabio, we loved you for what you did." I hope that that will make him realise that um, he doesn't need to go back and play um, from page one again because what he did was good enough and we love him for it. Um, But he also does have an appreciation for the things that have happened to him, you know, and he sees it as like a bigger picture. They're both very holistic, religious. I'd say Rafa's probably more religious than than Fabio but Fabio is he knows that things happen for a reason or he feels that things happen for a reason and and that he's happy that um he's got this chance to play football again do you know what I mean and just the fact that he can still play is um a blessing for him and and an opportunity and and they're both quite happy where they are at this moment so see where that leads and um yeah again sorry if I'm so that's fine that's good to hear it's good to hear um Wayne one of the I guess the headlines that come out of the book is um, Van Hal's arrival at Manchester United which precipitated Rafa's exit mm. and it does come across that he felt really hurt by what happened and how he left the club is, is that fair to say? Yeah um, yeah because he'd, because he'd given a lot to the club and I think it's more to do with the fact that it, it was so black and white with Van Gaal do you know what I mean and, and he wasn't a player who deserved that um, Rafa at all. He wasn't a player who deserved what happened to him. He was probably... If you think about some of the players who, who Van Gaal gave the axe to, he was probably the harshest in, um, example, really, what happened to Rafa, because he was he was the definitely the first-choice right-back at the club. Um, even, I think it took Moise a little bit of time to sort of realise, no, actually, Rafa is the the best right back here, so you've got to keep faith with him. Um, I'm not saying that he he always did, but um, he was very much the best right back at the club by the time Van Gaal was there, and Van Gaal just sort of like yeah didn't really give him much of a chance at all. I mean, he gave him a run of games because he was obligated to. I think gigs have been in his ear saying, no, you've got to give him a chance. You can't just throw him into the wilderness in, in this way. But as you've read in the book, and I think some excerpts are already out there. Even when he was doing good things, you know, um, Van Gaal was looking for reasons to sort of criticise him. Um, and yeah, I let Rafa speak for himself in, in those regards, you know. But it, it seemed very much a case of like, he, he could have played the best form he'd ever played for United for that season in the games that he played. And it wouldn't have been good enough for Van Gaal because what Van Gaal wanted was so contrasting to what Raphael provided naturally as a footballer. And you wouldn't really, as as heartbreaking as it was to lose Rafa, you wouldn't want Rafa to be forced to play in a way that was not natural to him because he wouldn't be enjoying the game the same. Um, so as heartbroken as I was for him to go, it was the best thing for him to go at that time, do you know? Yeah, um, but 
he should he should certainly have been given a, a fairer explanation for what happened because um, he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. It's criminal. Uh, everyone said that for the last sort of six years, haven't they? How did him and Johnny Evans leave the club for less than five million? Oh, wow. It's ridiculous, honestly. Wow. But yeah, I was gutted. I was gutted. Um, Wayne, this is a it is a feel good book um, overall, but there are parts in the book that show that are um, how shall I put it anti sunshine, I guess. And um, <laughs> I'm talking in particular about the Tevez story, which you mentioned. And of course, Van Howe, which we just talked about. As a writer, what is it easier to write about, Wayne? Is it the negative stories or the positive ones? Um, I think as a fan, probably the more positive stories, because that's just natural. Because it's like you're feeling good while you're writing. Um, but you know, Mike, I've written about United getting relegated. Yeah. You know, I've written um, about you know. Loads of controversial incidents about the club's history. For me, I just I look at it. I tend to look at it as saying the history is the history, mm. and you do your research, and you tell it the best way that you can. And it, it's sometimes positive, and it's sometimes negative. It's sometimes neither. Sometimes middle of the road kind of stuff. Um, but you don't always get the opportunity to write a book. And have such a joyful experience, both in the interviews and in the writing, because there are many times I'd be writing that to myself and I'd be laughing, writing it. You know, and I'd want to talk to people about it because I'm like, oh, am I going to get the humour across in the right way here? And I hope that I do, and stuff like that. And I, th- I think that I did in the, in the most part. But um, I think because of that, because it was such a joyful thing, that um, obviously in, in this experience, that I enjoyed um, that element of it. Don't get me wrong, like I said, putting across the stuff like... Because I think Fabio talking about anxiety and everything, I think is massively important. And even Rafa in a way, because um, I know it's not so over that he suffered with anxiety, but he, he did sometimes. And that's sort of like, it comes across quietly in the book, but that's more Fabio's message from this. And I just think that even when we were dealing with those moments of trying to be sensitive with it, um, that those were important too. But yeah, if you ask me um, tomorrow, when you look back at this book, oh, you ask me today, like you have done. <laughs> it doesn't need tomorrow. Um, if you just ask me, like, what's your overall memory of this book? Is it joyful or is it, you know, do you feel you've looked at it through a critical eye? Um, like Kater Osara, I looked at it through a critical eye. This one has just been joyful. Um, I'll remember it just for laughing a lot and um, and falling back in love with football in a way um, that I didn't think that um, I would, to be fair. Um, I hoped that I would, but because because you get cynical when you grow older, you're not sure. But um, yeah, that, that, that's it. I just loved working on it and... Um, the only shame is that I didn't, you know, not writing both of their autobiographies individually because that'd be twice as long the process. But um, um, yeah, it was a very, very enjoyable experience. And that does come across. I will, I will say that. Um, and just, just, just to add to something that you've um, just, just spoken about there, um, and you mentioned the Bayern Munich match, and I remember I was there. And usually, when a player makes an error, there's a silly booking or you know, being sent off. There is, if not universal condemnation from the stands, there's like, oh, what have you done? 
but with, with this instance, the one where Raphael got sent off, and I remember it vividly, I was in the south stand, um, and this did not really happen with, with Rafa. There was a moment of, ah, but then almost acceptance that it was Raf, Rafa and that he'd got conned. And yeah. I'm not sure there could be many players or many moments or sendings off or mistakes that it would have happened to many other players. And, you know, as fans, we're very forgiven of both of them, you know, both Fabio and Rafael. And I think you've captured that essence of who they are as people, what they meant to United fans and to the team. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, you know well done for that. And you know, thank you for that. I think that was, it, it does caption. As you were talking, I thought, yes, that Bayern Munich. And I haven't actually scripted that bit. <laughs> That's <just laughs> in my head just now. Um, yeah. But, yes. But I, I will say that, just to join in on that, um, the, yeah, that part. But also the, there's the part about the, um, the West Ham comeback um, where Fabio played in. Mm. And he talks about um, how, you know, and I was really hopeful that I could, Definitely, because he was so engaging with this, and he was talking about you know like you're two nil down, but you're kind of waiting to score that first goal, and you know the way that he was talking, it was like we could have gone five nil down, and we were just waiting to score that first goal, and we were confident we would have won that game because, and he he, he was talking about that game, but he could have been talking about any game because he was talking about how. It's you realise you're playing for a shirt that's bigger than, um, bigger than any other shirt. That that you realise what you're carrying. And sometimes he was burdened by that weight, and other times he wasn't. Other times he was liberated by it. And this was one occasion where he was liberated. Um, United were a couple of goals down, and just realising once you score one, that they're not just thinking about the eleven players on the pitch. They're thinking about all of the history which they're playing against and now many times that players have come back and the way that you know for him to get that you know for a guy from brazil who was you know 20 at the time to get that um to understand that i loved that that's one and i was like that was one of the best conversations i had working on the book because i was like i was so buzzing um, but in a different way, because you know, you know, when Rafa talks about scoring at Anfield and, and yes. sort of fronting up to Luis Suarez, it's obvious. It's obvious that he knew that he got it. Mm-hmm. But I think because it was Fabio, because like you, you think you know, yeah. Um, or some, a lot of people think, oh yeah, Fabio didn't have as good a career. The fact that he got it just as much, but he got it on that spiritual level. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like he just wish. It's one of those things I just wish that every player could read or talk to Fabio about that game because they'd come away with a deeper understanding of what it takes to play for United. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can put it any better than that because I think that's it's such a, a powerful thing. Um, that yeah, it's, it is like one of those... Like, because I'm having those conversations with them like on a weekly basis. I'm like, oh, please be able to articulate this in, in the powerful way in which they're describing it. Um, you're quite right about that sort of thing with um, with Rafa and you remember the you will definitely remember this um, when Oli was sent off against Newcastle Rob Lee yeah, took him down and we all applauded him off the pitch exactly. and that is exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about getting the club getting um, I, yeah I mean yeah, fouling a play when they throw on goal is a thing but it's it's just the way that you take to play certain players. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, you, you're Patrice definitely Evers right. You're dead right. Patrice Evra is another one, isn't he? 
Ian, Ian yeah. raced the yeah. history of the club, wanted to read up about it, and he still talks about it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, as fans, we, we just feel that you're right, that oh, why can't they all do that? And it's just not how some people are, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Wayne, a, a great takeaway from the book for fans of United, and it certainly was for me, is how both Fabio and Rafa talk in glowing terms of um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They, they mm. both rate him as a person and a coach, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, Fabio especially, because he played with him at, um, at Cardiff. He was he worked yeah. under him. I think, in fact, you've got this slight period of Fabio not wanting to let Ollie down in the same way he didn't want to let uh, Fergie down. Correct, yeah. But the way that they both talk about him um, is definitely glowing positively. Um, they talk about, not so much um, in terms of coaching ideas, but they talk about man management, which is a, an obvious thing, but... Oh, I think if anyone was to look at what he's um, what he's done at United, the the biggest takeaway would be well, you can tell that he get first of all, yes, gets the club, and I know people say they hold that against him, but secondly, that his man management and the patience that he's um, shown, um, obviously the massive benefit of that is Luke Shaw, mm. um, but there's been other things as well, like even. Um, and I know we're getting off topic and talking about Solskjaer rather than the Twins, but um, Lindelof, for example, I I'm not a massive fan now. I think that he's had his chance and that it's time for someone else. It was time for someone else probably the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. But from the options available to him, Oli stuck with Lindelof because he felt that he was the most dependable. And I'm not saying that... Um, the certain times I was like what are you doing you, you're going to make if you're picking a player like that was prone to making certain kinds of mistakes you're signing up for the inevitability that that's going to be a continuation and it was for a large part but it was also more stable than the alternative and um, even though I disagreed with it at the time that was Ollie saying, do you know what, we need some kind of consistency here. And the best way of getting consistency is through using Lindelof and not through using Twanzebe, who might not be ready. And it won't be through using Bai, who was unpredictable on a number of levels. It was through sticking with Lindelof, who, a player who perhaps wasn't good enough, but will provide consistency to a back line that desperately needed consistency. And even though I disagreed with it, I thought, no, that's good management, good long-term management in the same way that it was for Luke Shaw. Just because we disagree with something in the moment, you know, he's seen these players every single day, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think it's that kind of long-term side. Even if you disagree with the decision at the time, there were so many, so many formations and selections and tactics that people disagreed with um, under the Fergie era. So many. I, I can remember how many people would um, have a go at Fergie. Oh, you've he's made a... dropped a bollock with this one or something, you know, and then he, and he proved everyone wrong. And even if it went wrong, the fact that he'd earned the... you know, that he'd earned that chance to sort of make the mistake. I'm not saying that Ollie's in that same kind of boat, but um, I think... The fact that he's sort of his knowledge of the squad, his personal knowledge of the squad, the way that he's looked at it and said, "I'm I'm treating these people as human beings." Um, that's something that the twins both identified in in Ali, and they think that you know it's a massive quality of his. And they were talking about that before we saw what happened with Luke Shaw, mm. 
and then it's happened with Luke Shaw and they're saying see this is what we're talking about if you just give it time um, yeah so yeah it's Brilliant. they do have a lot of um, a lot of faith in him um, it gives us hope doesn't it as fans it gives us um, <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got Fabio saying that he thinks that we're going to challenge for the title this season, so um, he's certainly got hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, what's your favourite story in the book? Oh wow, um, I don't know. I I just think I I love. Um, or one each, then one from Fabio, one from yeah. Fabio, okay. Wow. Okay. Even better. So, and I'll, th- I'll have to go with both United ones because yeah. I think that's the best way of um, dealing with that. Um, I love Fabio talking about his debut with Ronaldo, and Ronaldo telling him basically, "Don't come near me. <laughs> Don't, I'm not going to run back. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to trust me. I'm not going to run back. So just." Don't take any chances, basically. He was saying, don't, if you take any chances, I'm not going to be there to clean up your mess. Um, and and when you think about Rafael and Fabio, they were players who, you might not, it might not be such an obvious thing that comes to mind, but they did take chances. And um, Fabio was probably his best when he did do that, but he was basically saying to him, don't take any chances. Um, and I just love that, just the way that he was like, yeah, 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 okay. And he went on to play very well in that game as well, Fabio. Um, Rafa, um, although I should say as well, Fabio, I really love the West Ham story that I just mentioned earlier. That's probably my favourite one. I was just trying to think of a different example there. Um, with Rafa, I really love um, many of the stories, but... Um, the way that he talks about the Liverpool rivalry, you know, being like street fighting in in Brazil. But then he talks about the um, the Liverpool game at home with Suarez when he refused to shake um, Evra's hand, and he talks about it being a horrible atmosphere to play in. Do you know that you don't want, don't even enjoy playing in the game? And it's sometimes nice to hear players talk like that because that's how it felt in the stands. Do you know what I mean? It felt like poison. And um, and the, the players feel that same way sometimes that that you're connected. It's a strange thing, but it's like if you feel like you're connected, it enhances the experience. Even retrospectively, now looking back, even though I hated the game at the time, the fact that we won and it was such an emotional game, I think uh, it makes me think. Yeah, do you know what? I, I feel a little bit more connected now because I was feeling what you guys were feeling, and um, anything that makes you feel like you're connected to what's happening on the pitch is obviously something that's going to enhance that and um, really that's my takeaway from working with them is that it made me feel more connected to everything do you know because of the way that um, they seemed that they seemed connected to what was happening around them as well Um, on the stands in a game at Manchester when they weren't even playing um, just the way that they were connected to United as a whole and um, yeah I mean my favourite is um when Rafa's, it was Raphael's um, take on Mike Dean, and I'm going to quote a <laughs> sentence where he said, quote, he's from Liverpool, so maybe that explains why he doesn't seem to like me, end quote. That's what's brilliant. That's it, that's it in a nutshell. Brilliant. Um, Wayne, um, are there any stories that didn't make the final cut? And if so, can you tell us what they were and why they didn't make it? No, there's no way I can tell you. There, there are a couple of the... Um, <laughs> They like you know, they say something like, 
about I don't know I can't even I don't even know if I can there'd be conversations that we'd say and he'd be saying yeah but that was for the players group chat do you know like like, okay right okay so that's that's not for the book it was for the group chat I'm like okay right and I can't even I'm not even going to allude to what it was because then people stop putting two and two together but but there were some there were some that is one you might you might get one off air but I'm not going (laughs) to they could never do it on record my lips are sealed thank you (laughs) um Wayne, it does take a certain skill to write a book about someone for someone, and notwithstanding that this was a book um, about and for two people, do you think, it's, it's a difficult question I think, do you think you've captured both Fabio and Raphael's personalities? I don't know. Um, I, I hope so, and I, I tried to. That's what I will say. I, you know, I was very conscious of that, as I said earlier. I know that they're two very different people, as mm. similar as they are. So I was aware that um, their energy had to be different, and I was very conscious of that when I was writing. So I hope that I have. Um, but I don't know, because I said this to you every time that we have a conversation that... As soon as I finish writing, the the entire project, the entire thing that I've worked on, is over to the person. Uh, it's not to a person, sorry, to the reader. To the person reading it to sort of say, this is how you succeeded or this is how you failed. One, I mean, when you're writing an autobiography, there's there's like um, there's a different element to that because there's the the person that you're writing with, and they they are like a barrier, aren't they? Basically, they're like. You've got me and the audience, and then the person that I'm writing with is the barrier. If if I'm writing with anyone at all, and that's a, a, a benefit in this experience because I can at least send it to them, and they can tell me if they feel like it's in their voice, if they feel like I've captured them correctly, and they did. Um, they they reassured me that they did on multiple occasions. So all I can say to that is that I'm reassured that they they think that I did, if you get what I'm saying. So in a way that, yeah, all right, even if every single reader thinks I didn't, that it sounds like it's the same person, then at least the people that I was working with, who who the book is for, effectively, it's for them before it's for anyone, um, that they felt that I captured them. That's the most important thing in any book when you're writing with anyone anyone else um, that, that, you know if it's an autobiography if you're working with a player as long as they feel that's an accurate representation of the, what they felt and the way that they spoke and that it sounds like them that's the biggest um, thing so for example I was working with Gordon Jago and the former Millwall and um, QPR boss and I, I, I think I sent the first draft to his daughter and his daughter didn't message me she messaged um, Gordon and she said, Dad, he's captured you. You know, it sounds like you. And that's the biggest compliment because, you know, that's someone's daughter reading it and it sounds like the dad. So that, that really, yeah, all right, whether or not then it's received in the right way is its own thing. Um, but that's, and you know what, I, I get into this kind of long analytical debate about it because, I, you know, obviously I'm thinking about it all the time. It's one of those things you have to be conscious about. Um so yeah it's the same for every single book in a certain way but we're one of these you do have a little bit of a barrier which is a blessing and a curse because if that person isn't really content with how you've made them sound well first of all that would happen before the book went out because then you'd have the opportunity to put it right but um there is that barrier 
there. You know, yes, people will praise it and be critical of it, but um, whether or not the voices being captured is first and foremost up to them, and then second to the audience, and they seem very happy with it. Um, long-winded answer, but it's probably a complicated thing to answer anyway. So yeah, um, I, yeah. knew it was a, I knew it was a difficult question, and at the end of the day, if Fabio and Raphael were happy with it, then that's that's it, isn't it? That's brilliant. Mm. Um, finally, um, can you tell them apart? <laughs> yeah. I can now, um, just about, but they could easily treat me. <laughs> they could, and apparently they did, and I don't know when that happened. Really brilliant. In, in what conversation it happened. Uh, I'm going to presume it was when they were together, because um, they were staying together at, at one yeah. point. So I'm going to presume that that's when it happened. Um, because I did, I did like an interview, or I asked them some questions, I said, oh... Um, I don't know what it was. It was about telling them apart, and they were just like, "Ah, oh, my friend, we've already tricked you." And I was like, "What? How? How could that even be possible?" Like, but obviously they did. They did at some point, and I don't know if that means that if there's one point in the book where one of them was talking for the other, Brilliant. they could well be the case that there's something in there where Rafa was talking about Fabio, or Fabio was talking about Rafa, um, and I'm completely oblivious to it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, I, I can tell them apart now. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I've, I've got a pair of twins who play for my football team, and I've known them for years, and I, I still get mixed up. And on the pitch, because they're far away, I've got to look at the numbers, and I've, I've numbered them in alphabetical order. <laughs> so I can sometimes send them apart. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, Wayne, um, I do ask you this every time you're on. Um, what's next for you? Are there any projects you can tell our um, listeners about? Yeah, a couple. Um, I've just finished the first draft of a, a family authorised biography of Duncan Edwards, um, which I've been working on all year. Um, the information that's in this book is going to blow your mind. Can't wait. It's literally, and and I'm you know I'm someone who I don't like talking about the quality of what I've done because I like I said earlier I'd leave that to the the reader the person who's receiving the work, um, but I know that the information in in there is unbelievable, like literally unbelievable. And There's you are some a details. Per- I mean, I will say this on your behalf: you are a details person. For you to say that, yeah, wow, I can't wait. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't mind admitting that, and like you know, yeah, I'm not. Big on compliments, but I know that I, I know that I concentrate on detail because I have to get that right, and um, yeah, there, there's just simply some things in this. A lot of things that people won't even know. Um, they won't even have the foggiest, um, of you know, doing. I, I don't want to sort of go too far inside because I, I just want people to be aware that this is going to be something completely different that you might be expecting. Yeah, it, it's. Um, you know, like Duncan Edwards is one of those people, a little bit like George Best, that you you kind of have to play up to the legend a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what what his family and what Rose Cook, who is the sort of um, curator of the museum, she's like the custodian for Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was going to say unofficial, but she's effectively the official custodian. When we were talking about, because she wanted me to write the book, and we were talking about it at length, she was very keen to sort of say. Yeah, all right. You know, everyone loves Duncan for the legendary status that he achieved. Um, but one thing that we want to do, I I always try and put across how normal he was. 
So what I, did, what I tried to take with me writing the book is just to write about him in ordinary style and just let the sort of hyperbole take care of itself. So you know that, yeah, all right, he did extraordinary things and he was extraordinary in many ways, but it was written as normal as possible so that you're in you're left with no um, mistake that this event happened. And whether or not someone says, oh, it was from 50 yards, this is as accurate as it's going to be ever about anything written about Duncan Edwards. Um, it, it's as normal and accurate and true to form. Um, so that's that. And I have, I, I guess I can talk about this as well because I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times on social media. Um, I'm working with Sammy McElroy at the moment. Yeah. On an autobiography entitled "The Last Busby Babe." Brilliant title. Yeah, perfect fitting for him. And you know, Sammy's an encyclopedia on United, going back to the sixties and seventies, and just I don't even feel like it's work talking to him. I've covered that era so much mm. that I'm having conversations with him. I'm thinking, oh god, do we even cover anything about the book today? And obviously, we have. We've covered it in comprehensive detail, but it's like. The conversations that I'm having, as well, because like Brian Greenough was the first person that I worked with, and and he was Brian's best friend at United. Yeah. So I'm having a lot of it's a very good um, book to work on for me at the moment in a good headspace. Do you know what I mean? We're all coming out of lockdown. Um, we're wanting to feel connected to people again, and I'm having these experiences. Like you know, most like we talked earlier, most of the twins book was written in lockdown. And this one, I'm, I'm seeing Sammy every week, we're talking about it, and I'm just feeling that connection again, and I'm feeling, oh, yes, this time me back to talking about Brian, and we're having jokes, and one minute we'll be laughing, and then the second, like, we get quite emotional thinking about um, Brian, and, and stuff like that, and, it, you know, it's just a joy to work on. So those two, are, you know, you know me, um, my, I've got about 50 things that I've, I've got on the boil, but those are the two at the moment I can really feel confident in sort of sticking my neck out and saying those are the things that um, I've been working on that um, people can hear something is, is about soon. Is there a timeline for them, Wayne? Is there anything? Or are you just still just... I mean, you, you said that it's the first draft of the Duncan Edwards book, but is there, is there a timeline that we can expect? Or Yeah, well, I think both next year, um, at some point next year. Um, the, the reason why... I, I, I would suspect that some publisher... The reason why I'm telling you as well, forthright now, that there's a first draft finish that book... That I've only got to go over it and give it like a bit of a, a, a tidy, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be ready. We're fa- we're trying to find a home for it at the moment. Right. Now, um, so my agent's on that case, um, and he's looking for that. So thankfully, it's not in my hands. But I have kind of said to him, in in twenty twenty three is going to be sixty five years of the anniversary of Munich, and I don't want it to be then. I would like it to come out next year. Um, because I don't want it to be associated with that. I want it to be stand on itself and for people to to read it itself without getting carried away in Munich as well. Because I, I think as well with Duncan's story, I don't want people to just. I one spoiler I'll tell you about this. And I'm sorry, I know that we've gone way over your a lot of time and you're a busy guy and everything like that. I'm straying away from the subjects what people have clicked on this podcast about. But um, I guess most people are United fans and they may be interested in this. So, one thing I've been very conscious of writing the book um, on Duncan is to sort of stay away from the fact that we know he's going to die at some point. Mm. 
So I'm telling his life story as if like it's full of adventure and this is every little detail of everything that happened in in the way that it happened. And only when Munich happens do you sort of realise that, you know, oh, he's died and then we have to deal with the aftermath of that. So I don't want it to be tied to the disaster. And I don't think, you know, it's never in good taste to do something like that. The Jimmy Murphy book came out, but that was like a sense of timing because it was... The book had been finished a little while and you know what I mean? We, even then we pushed it after Munich, the release date, because I didn't want it to come out before it so people would be saying, oh, blah, blah, blah. So I, I requested that it came out after. But this, I want it to come out next year. And the Sammy McElroy one should be next year anyway, um, making good progress with it. Um, and that's what I'm working on at the moment. So it's, it's, you know what I mean? I know that it will be done in good time. Um, and there, there, are, there are a couple of other things as well that will be coming out next year as well. And yeah, but you know, like I keep saying, a million things at once, and you you know me, Mike. I'm always yeah. telling, I'm always telling you some breadcrumbing you bread, bread stuff yeah. in. Yeah, I'm very appreciative. Right, <laughs> that's it. Um, the book is out now. Can you tell our listeners how they can in- interact with you on social media? Yeah, they can get um, in touch with me at Wayne S. Barton on um, on well, Instagram and Twitter. I should say for for people wanting to get the book. Amazon's the best for obviously people in the UK, but Book Depository, mm. I'm doing. They do free worldwide delivery, and I think they've got a discount on it at the moment. So if there are people listening to this overseas, that is less than full price for the book, and you'll be getting it free delivery international. So really get on on that deal. Brilliant, brilliant. Wayne, thanks for coming on the show again. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, and as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, before I go, I want to give um, you and the listeners my view on the book. So, for Manchester United fans, the mere mention of Rafael and Faber de Silva provoked positive, happy thoughts. If, as a Man United fan, you enjoyed their time at the club and loved them for their passion, their emotion, their personality, then after reading this book, they are both going to go up in your, you know, going to go up even higher in your estimations. There are so many great stories and their story is indeed a tale of where they came from to where they ended up and always with a strong family connection because family is very important to them both. I love the way the book dovetails between each of them and there are also dedicated chapters to both Raphael and Fabio. It works as a book as the skill of the writer ensures it retains a seamless telling of their story throughout. Uh, Wayne has again written a cracker of a book and I urge everyone who reads the book to also watch Wayne's YouTube interview with Raphael for the Talk of the Devils channel. This will enhance the story, uh, the book tells, and give you a very visual understanding of the excitement and the passion that does come across in the book, but which is enhanced by the video. Um, I, I have a personal mem- memory of Raphael and that was at the London 2012 Olympics where I was a volunteer. And on the day the British, uh, the, sorry, the British, the Brazilian national team arrived at the Athletes' Village, happened to be the day I was granted some visitor passes for my father and brother to come and see the Athletes' Village. Neymar was there, Thiago Silva was there, but there was only one player I wanted to meet, and I just couldn't find him. I was in the Athletes' Village shop, I had my photo taken with Thiago Silva, and then I heard a bellowing, Hey, Mike, Mike, come quick! And it was my father's unmistakable voice. And when I went round the corner, I saw him with his arm round uh, Rafa, um, almost vice-like, had to be said. And he had told Rafa that I was a United fan, and he asked Rafa to wait for me. And I'm not sure how much choice Rafa did, did have. Rafa was very generous with his time. 
we did have a photo taken and I just wanted to take this opportunity to firstly apologize if my father had scared you rapper because he can do that but also wanted to say you know he only wanted his son to meet you and also thank you it's a great book great stories beautifully written again um, and if you're if you're a United fan or not it, you know it's a, it's a lovely read so thank you Wayne this has been Mike Pieri you've been listening to Shoot the Defense you can find us on Twitter at Shoot the Defense and also on Instagram my Twitter is at Del Pieri, and until next time, goodbye.